Um, if you have your uh, Bibles, I invite you to turn them to Proverbs uh, 14. And, and just a little note of warning, okay? Um, I heard as I was walking into the sanctuary this morning that this is the first Sunday uh, that uh, the younger kids are, are staying in the service, okay? And uh, today we're talking about the landmines, the biblical answers for these explosive topics, and the topic on the docket today is abortion. And I'm just uh, giving you a little word of warning that, uh, that this is a, a heavy, heavy topic, and uh, it's probably not one that I would choose to, to pick to preach when I come back to the, the church that we were sent from to plant another campus. I, I'd like to come back with, a, with an easier text that I can make a lot of jokes about. We can have some fun. And, and that's not the kind of message that this is today. So I just want to give you a little bit of a warning. I'm not going to be showing uh, pictures or, 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 or it's not going to be very bad descriptions. My daughter has listened to this message. She's nine years old. And so um, I, I think it's going to be fine. But I just want to give you a, a heads up. And if you walk out of here, I understand that, that that's fine. But this is going to be um, a serious a serious message. This is past week. I, I read a, uh, a very touching story um, about uh, a bald eagle that died just not too far from here off of Orchard Road. It was uh, one of the bald eagles from uh, Mooseheart. The title of the, uh, this article that I had from the Daily Herald says that people are really upset about it. A Mooseheart bald eagle dies after being struck by a car. The Kane County area lost a local wildlife celebrity when one of the adult bald eagles that nests near the Mooseheart football field was killed when it was struck by a car. It's sad. People are really upset about it, said David Soderstrom, a St. Charles resident and freelance photographer who had photographed these eagles as they uh, had a nest together. There was a papa and mama bald eagle. This eagle that died was the mama eagle. A woman who was there at the time when the car hit this eagle, she tended uh, to the mortally wounded eagle, said that she saw the eagle diving toward the road, and after a car drove past, she saw the eagle lying on the pavement. The woman called 911 she used her car to block off traffic until help, to help arrived, but when they got there, it was too late. The, the eagle uh, had died. U.S. Fish and Wildlife had the eagle's body uh, sent to a repository in Colorado where Native Americans may petition for some of the eagle's feathers to use in some religious ceremonies. Some of the comments on the page uh, that I read, and, and I'm an animal lover, Okay, when I was a little kid, I cried when ants got stepped on, and uh, and so I, I get what they're saying. Guy commented, "I'm sorry for the loss of a great member of your community. So awful." Another man says, "Very, very sad." Marilyn said, "So sad to hear this. It's, it's heartbreaking. We'll certainly be hoping and praying for those baby eaglets to fledge, and when they're ready to go off on their life's journey." Stephen said, we are saddened, we are saddened, deeply grieved at this loss of life. Meanwhile, on Friday, the Illinois Senate voted 34 to 20 in favor of the Reproductive Health Care Act, which states that a fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus does not have independent rights, the Chicago Tribune reported. The legislation passed the state house earlier this week and now heads to the governor's uh, office to have him sign it as he has promised to and make it become law. 
Democratic Senator Melinda Bush, the chief sponsor of the bill in the state Senate, told the Tribune that the legislation is needed because, quote, there's a war against women's rights going on. She said the Reproductive Health Act considers abortion the same as every other medical procedure. The bill would repeal both the state's Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act and the Illinois Abortion Act of 1975, removing restrictions on the procedure later in pregnancy and expanding insurance coverage for abortions and related medical care as well as uh, contraception. This is the law that passed. Now, I, I didn't see too many posts, comments in that article of people grieving over the bill that is about ready to be, pl- be passed, this bill concerning abortion. It's a landmine topic. In one of the Seinfeld episodes, if you watch Seinfeld back in the day, um, Elaine was a big abortions rights activist. And uh, that was like the litmus test for her to meet somebody and that she found out that he was pro-life. I mean, it was over. There was fireworks. Everything just blew up. And, uh, and this is a landmine topic in our country today, and uh, the numbers are, are, depending on where you get the numbers from, but it's almost uh, down the middle as to uh, uh, those who think abortion is right and those who think abortion is wrong, okay? So this is one of the, uh, one of the most dangerous of the landmines, and uh, so what is abortion? Let's start here. Abortion is the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy. That's a safe definition. It doesn't touch the landmine. It doesn't deal with the elephant in the room. I don't use any controversial terms in saying that, but it is the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy. Everybody would agree with that. And uh, there's four types of people who are listening to this message, either here today or, or online or listening down the road years to come. First, those people who would say that it's wrong. And I would guess that it's most of you folks in here in the building this morning. It's the majority here. And this message will help you, but it will also challenge you. So I'm warning you that it's going to be a challenge, as it already has been to me. Then there's those, second group of people here, who say that it's okay, abortion is okay. Some say abortion without restriction. Some say abortion with restrictions. Some say abortion only in, in a certain small category. But in some form or fashion, abortion is okay. This message, if this is you, will confront that belief. Let's lay all my cards on the table. Third group of people are people who are considering having abortion. And, uh, and maybe you're listening to this message and you hear it and I'm just asking you, please listen and ask God to speak to you. Speak to you of truth. This whole sermon series is about the truth. It's about talking about these hard things, but it's speaking the truth in love and having a biblical foundation for truth. And to believe that there actually such a, there is such a thing as objective truth. It's not just subjective truth. If you think it's right or if you think it's right, then it's right for you. No, there is such a thing as something that is right objectively and it's found in the person of God. And we study his word and we make these calls on hard topics. And so those three groups, 
those who say it's wrong, those who think it's okay, those who are considering having an abortion, and the fourth group of people are people who have had an abortion. And this message contains, as all messages should, good Bible preaching, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this is great news for you. So let listen, believe, and receive the blessing of the gospel. And so you see in your sermon notes, um, we're going to be looking at a lot of different scriptures this morning, and we're going to be asking seven questions. We've already been answering the first one. Um, should people care about it? It's something that we, we know we already should care about it. And we're, and we're going to be looking at different passages. But, but the one that I asked you to turn to already kind of sums up the whole de- abortion debate in my mind. Okay? See if you can agree. Uh, Proverbs 14, you there? Verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, that way leads to death. There is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. In our world today, there are 56 million abortions a year. That's 126,000 a day. In the U.S., that number is sitting at 2,400 abortions a day, about two abortions a minute. How did we get here? Why should you care about it? Well, our world has a long history of infanticide. Did you know that? From the ancient peoples of the world, the peoples that were... um, Previous to the ancient Greeks, uh, there's archaeological evidence and history um, to show us that uh, at times of hardship in life, one in ten of their children were sacrificed to the gods to petition the gods to get them on their side. Carthage was known as the zenith of, of, uh, of sacrificial um, system that would kill and harm infants and children. Ancient Carthaginians, And then in Sardinia. You know, Sardinia is that island that looks like Italy is kicking it. it Sardinia is that island. They found uh, bones of 3,000 uh, little babies that were sacrificed to the gods. Child sacrifices. Offering of the firstborn. We read about this all throughout history and archaeology and also in, the, in our Old Testament, the Bible. In the Old Testament times, in the Bible times, in the times that we read about, the Egyptians, the Phoenicians, the Canaanites, the Moabites, the Sephirvites, all practice some form of child sacrifice and of offering their firstborn. The Bible recounts the heartbreaking history of child sacrifice that was practiced in the name of the god Molech, god of the Ammonites. Molech worship was practiced by the Ammonites and the Canaanites, and, and they revered Molech as uh, a protecting uh, father figure God. And, and, and they would build statues of Moloch and they would be made of bronze with the, the God with his hands outstretched. And the bronze statue would be heated to a very high temperature and the babies would be placed in this deity's hands to die as a sacrifice to that God. Or they would be thrown into the fire below the hands to be burned as an offering to Moloch. So God prohibited Israel from child sacrifice in general and Moloch worship in particular in Leviticus chapter 20. God says, say to the Israelites, any Israelite or any foreigner residing in Israel who sacrifices any of his children to Moloch is to be put to death. The members of the community are to stone him. 
I myself will set my face against him and will cut him off from his people. For by sacrificing his children to Moloch, he has defiled my sanctuary and profaned my name. If the members of the community close their eyes when that man sacrifices one of his children to Moloch, and if they fail to put him to death, I myself will set my face against him and his family and will cut them off from their people together with all who follow him in prostituting themselves to Moloch. Many other Old Testament passages affirm this zero-tolerance policy that God has for child sacrifice. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 17, we read that God hates the hands that shed innocent blood. The youngest, the weakest, the, the most vulnerable among us have always been a target and always will be a target in the evil world in which we live. Why? Because they don't have the strength, they don't have the voice, and they don't have the power to defend themselves. Fast forward all the way up to not too many years ago in our country when the laws of the land, Roe v. Wade, made abortion legal. Should you care? Yes. Thousands upon thousands of babies are aborted. And you should care. Now, what are the reasons about, what are, what are the reasons people give for these abortions? I mean, maybe that would kind of help if, if we knew some of the, the reasons why uh, people feel like they need to do this thing. Um, what are some of the reasons? A few years ago, the Guttmacher Institute, a uh, pro-abortion group, anonymously surveyed 1,209 post-abortive women from uh, nine different clinics in our country. Here's, here's the percentage of the breakdown, okay? Um, under 1%, 0.5%. Had the abortion because of rape. Three percent had abortion because of the the fetal health of the unborn. So maybe the baby was shown to have Down syndrome, and so the life was ended, completed. Maybe the baby was shown to have uh, some brain brain deformity, and the life was ended. Three percent. Four percent was because of the woman's health. Not to save the life of the mother necessarily because of the health of the mother. Another 4% was because of the woman's education or career that could not be interrupted with a pregnancy. 7% reported anonymously that they were not mature enough to be a mother. 8% didn't want to be a single mother. They were by themselves and they were scared of the days to come alone as a single mom and they chose to go to abortion 19% said that they were done having children and so they had uh, the abortion my wife knew somebody who said that the, uh, the, 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 their practice of, uh, of uh, um, uh, child rearing what's, I can't even remember the name of uh, uh, what, birth control thank you, wow uh, their form of birth control was abortion and if they made a mistake, they just go get have, have an abortion. 19% that were surveyed said essentially the same thing. 23% said that they couldn't afford a baby. And 25% said just in general they weren't ready for a baby. For these reasons, an abortion... A termination of human pregnancy is performed. 
So what does that abortion entail? What are, what are we talking about? So the abortion then, up to nine weeks, can be a, a medically induced abortion, meaning that you can take something um, that gets rid of the process of life inside of you. You can also, from three to 12 weeks, have, or the doctors might conclude, that you need a manual vacuum aspiration abortion. As the weeks progress along the development of the fetus, you might have to have a dilation and evacuation procedure, a surgical abortion, uh, D&E, it's called. And then if you make it all the way to the end, and now if you live in the state of Illinois, you can have a partial birth abortion, which um, the, the about-to-be-born baby up to that time can have its spinal cord snapped or cut or cracked and, and then dead. It can be pulled out and move on with life. So I've already done some things that if, I, if somebody is here and, and, and you are pro-abortion, you've already noticed that I'm saying some things that I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm already making the argument sound a certain way. I'm saying, um, I should be saying, not a baby, I should be saying a fetus instead of baby. We should say fetus instead of a baby. Um, and you, you haven't reported, you've talked about these late-term abortions, but you haven't told everybody that about 90% of all abortions happen under 12 weeks. And you haven't mentioned that. And, and you know what? Pro-abortionists want to say that because it makes it all more palatable if they don't have a name and if the numbers aren't that big. Then it's, it's, it's more, it's easier to take. And then you hear things like, we want to have abortions, but, but hold on, we just want to make abortions available, we want to make abortions safe, and we want to make abortions rare. All of it to make it palatable to the masses. I remember that when I was a kid. You're going to go get a shot, all you're going to feel is a little prick, that's it. It's not even going to be a big deal. I went in there, I felt more than a prick, okay? And uh, it just made it, try to make it sound better. The distraction. And so you can say fetus, you can say baby. It doesn't matter what the terms are. What matters is what's actually happening. And so I plead with you to listen to the case that's before you and don't get caught up in the terms. Why is all of this happening? Well, here's my cards on the table. Because man stands in rebellion against God. When life is cheap, the image of God is trashed. And men and women are created in the image of God. And as Lisa talked about, that Satan doesn't like adoption, the forces of darkness love when life is diminished and trashed. Because that is the reflection of our creator God. And the devil can only hope to ascend to his throne. No chance of that. But if he can mar the very image of God in man, he feels that he can do damage to God himself. So question number two. When does life begin? When does life begin? Some say that a fetus is not a life, especially if it's not fully formed. A, a blood clot, a, a lump of potential, maybe, but not a... A life? Former U.S. Senator Jocelyn Elder said, quote, We really need to get over our love affair with the fetus. 
Well, what does the Bible say? Turn with me to Job chapter 31. So go to the left. You were in Proverbs. Go to Job 31. Read just a few verses, 13 through 15. Job is speaking. He's making an appeal to the Lord. Job 31, verse 13. If I have rejected the cause of my manservant or my maidservant when they brought a complaint against me, what then shall I do when God rises up? When he makes inquiry, what shall I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make him? And did not, and did not one fashion us in the womb? Job's saying, if I don't listen to my servants, my manservant, my maidservant, if I don't listen to them when they have a complaint, why wouldn't I? Didn't the same God fashion them in the womb like they fashioned me? Don't we have one creator? This is pro-life, and it's pro-life for all races and all ethnicities and, and male and female. Didn't, didn't God make us all? And then... In Psalm 139, probably the most famous verses when you, when you talk about this topic, Psalm 139, 14 through 16, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Precious life that is worth something because God has created it. It's wonderful. And it begins at conception in the coming together of the sperm and the egg and the cells begin to divide and all that is needed in that environment is safety and nutrition for a baby to be born. So the moment of birth then, I would argue, biblically speaking, is the moment that God begins to form it in the unformed psalm. The psalmist says, Job says the same thing as well. So the moment of birth, your birthday, is not the line of demarcation in the question of when life begins. And so much, and so many of the arguments take that line, the date of birth, as when life begins, when somebody becomes a person, when somebody is viable. Now why wouldn't we use other markers to determine when life begins. Why, why ha have we used that day of birth as the line of demarcation? Especially now because uh, medical science and fetal medicine has grown so much that the babies are viable much earlier than in nine months. If we wanted to, we could use the same markers that we use at the end of the life to determine the beginning of, of life. So why not use when a heartbeat? When somebody's dying, you listen to their heart. Is, is, their, heart, is their heart beating? That's... That's a sign. You can hear a heartbeat at 18 days. How about brain waves? If somebody's brain dead, they're, they're dying or dead. At six weeks, brain waves can be measured. A little baby. Now, some states are doing this right now. They're making 
the abortion laws much more difficult, praise God. They're responding to this. That you could, you could just use those markers and, and eradicate so much of the abortion world. Viability, when a baby can live outside of the womb, makes it harder for the pro-abortionist to claim that a fetus is not a human life. And some of you even remember photographer that captured, and I don't have the picture, sorry, but the photograph, and you can Google it, pictured the hand of a 20-week-old baby grasping out a surgeon's finger who was operating to save his life. So if the fetal fetus is born, or if the fetus is formed, it also makes it much more harder to, to deny that there is life, doesn't it? Joe Rogan, podcaster, former uh, Fear Factor host, comedian, he talks about this idea of, of, of it being harder to kill a baby because you can see it formed. He says that, this way, in his crass way, it makes it harder to, to kill, let me see, you have to look, it makes it harder to kill them when you have to look at the little expletives faces when you kill them. Now, he actually, I would say, is more pro-life than not. He was making the point, in a very crass one, that um, when you see somebody's face, it's hard to say it's okay to kill them. Here's our situation in our country today, okay? I'm a simple person. I need a simple way to think about this. Woman A and woman B. Woman A gets pregnant. Woman B gets pregnant the exact same day. Woman A, at six months, goes into delivery, and she has her baby, and the baby is living. Praise God. Woman B is still pregnant. Ten days later, both women decide that they want to kill their baby. Woman A cannot because the baby is born. Woman B can because the baby has not been born. Does, does that make any logical sense to anybody? Because the baby's not here, it's, it's here? It's because it's harder to do when you can see their face. Life is not defined by viability. Life is not defined by formation. Life begins at conception. Number three, who is responsible for life and death? Who's responsible for it? Now, this is the second big question. If we can establish it, that it is life, then we have to sec- ask the second question, well, who is responsible for it? Another debate in our country today is euthanasia. It's, on, it's the same topic, it's just on the other side of the coin. Um, the taking of human life at the end of life. The states that allow currently are California, Colorado, Oregon, uh, Vermont, New Jersey, and starting this summer, Hawaii and Washington will also make it legal uh, to take your life at the end of it. Um, There's not a lot of light times in a message like this. Um, This was a funny funny time, though. Uh, It was the saddest point of my life up to that point when the first time that somebody close to me died and that was my grandfather my grandpa Lombardo and uh, he was a funny guy 
He was uh, off the boat from Sicily, and he came here to America, and uh, he was just hilarious. He made all these jokes, and, and uh, he walked into the hospital. He ended up dying uh, six days later, and uh, this was in the hospital, and we're all talking uh, to him and everything like that, and, and uh, how you feeling, Grandpa? One time, everything was all quiet. How you feeling, Grandpa? And he just looked around, and everybody said, call Kevorkian, he said. And, uh, and we all laughed. You had to know my grandpa. But Kevorkian was the death doctor. You, how many people remember Jack Kevorkian? He was the guy that, you know, so my grandpa was saying, he didn't really want me to call Kevorkian. He was just saying he felt terrible and he knew the time was up. Let's get me out of here. I'm ready to go to heaven. That's what his, that's what his plan was. I like that plan. Um, but it was funny. But can Kevorkian make the call? Is he responsible for life and death? Can we ourselves make the call? For life or death. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 6, we read, The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. In Exodus 20, verse 13, in, in what we call the Ten Commandments, uh, we read that thou shalt not murder. And how did you memorize it when you learned it as a little kid? The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. You can't kill. Thou shalt not murder. Life is not our call. Since the birth of our country, we have recognized that life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, this is endowed to us by our creator God. But we live in a culture of death, of sin, of rebellion. Margaret Sanger, who's a founder of uh, the American movement of birth control in the United States and Planned Parenthood, she said this, quote, the most merciful thing that a family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Then compare that to Mother Teresa. The two different cultures of life and death. She said, These concerns for orphan children in India and elsewhere in the world are very good. But often these same people are not concerned with the millions that are killed by the deliberate decision of their own mothers. And this is what is the greatest destroyer of peace today, abortion. For the pregnant women who don't want their children, give them to me. Can you see the difference? Can you see the difference between a culture of life and a culture of death? But Pastor Steve, what about severe disability? Don't we have a responsibility? If there's a pregnancy and there's a severe disability, this child's going to live. Maybe he, they won't even live. Maybe they'll, they'll face a whole life of suffering and pain. Isn't it on us to save them from that? Isn't it on the mother and father to save them from a lifetime of heartache and pain? In Exodus chapter 4, verse 11, we read, The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? The Lord's in control. The Lord's sovereignly in control. Of all that happens, the Lord's not caught off guard by a disability. The Lord's not caught off guard by a problem pregnancy. The Lord's not caught surprised and unawares at the hardships that we deal with in life. He gives us the strength and he allows everything that we go through. Some of the most dedicated Christian families are the ones who have gone through the most severe hurt and pain. So we don't even have the right to end life in those cases. Well, what about rape and incest? In that survey that was done with over the 1,900 women, 0.5% uh, of 1%, it was because of that. So what about those instances? I mean, that's a tough, tough question. 1% of all abortions in our country are because of rape or incest. 
incest. Now, don't we have the responsibility to stop that life? Just think of being born and growing up knowing that your dad was a rapist. It's terrible. But Deuteronomy chapter 24, I love God's word. It says, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their fathers. Each is to die for his own sin. We're not going to hold the children responsible for the sin of their parents and take their life. There's a couple that just in April have made this plea with all of the talk now again of abortion and, and, and all of the, the talk surrounding it. The, this couple has made a, a plea on, on social media for abortion. They said this, if anyone out there reads this and is considering abortion, I will take your baby. My wife and I will gladly take all your babies. I'm completely serious. If you're pregnant and you don't want your child, we will. It's not a fetus. It's a blessing. Life matters. That was the post that started all of this. In 2015, Kevin and Nicole Cook, they took to social media and they started to push this idea of adoption instead of abortion. They wrote, don't abort your baby. We will adopt. Please contact us if you'd be open to adoption as an option. Hashtag adoption is life. Sarah told, uh, Blake and Sarah Thomas, who were inspired by this couple's, started to do their own call on social media for the same thing, for adoption, to, to save a baby's life. She says, we wanted to put a face to adoption, help women realize that there is another great option available to them. The Thomases are parents to two young sons, an eight-month-old biological son, a two-year-old adopted son. God has given us a love for orphans, and we are willing to open our home and our heart to as many children as God sees fit to give us, Sarah said. And their plea seems to have worked. According to the couple, the response has been overwhelming, and the couple is currently going through the adoption process with one of the mothers who reached out to them. Life is precious. And so, with all sincerity, I would just encourage you that it's not a promise of ease. It's not a promise of, of, uh, of celebration. There might be heartache and pain in the days to come but to carry the child to term and adoption is a wonderful option. You can still give life to the one who didn't have a choice. You have a choice. According to the laws of our land right now, you have that choice. He or she growing inside you doesn't. Fourth question. Shouldn't a woman have control over her own body? Planned Parenthood says this. Quote, a woman is more than a fetus. Some people argue these days that a fetus is a person that is indistinguishable from the rest of us and that it deserves rights equal to women. Fortunately, our society has recognized that each woman must be able to make this decision based on her own conscience. To impose a law to find that a fetus is a person granting it rights equal to or superior to a woman's, a thinking, feeling, conscious human being, is arrogant and absurd. It only serves to diminish women. Is that true? A few weeks ago on SNL, 
Saturday Night Live, Leslie Jones came on uh, the set with a shirt on. First she was dressed as a handmaid, and then underneath when she pulled that off was a shirt that had uh, uh, the words, uh, it's mine, and an arrow pointed down, and she made the plea for uh, people, and specifically men, and men lawmakers, to get out of the business of, uh, of messing with her uterus. Does this diminish women to have a belief that the life growing inside of a woman is distinct? Well, let's just mention a couple facts. From conception, the fetus, the unborn baby, has a different DNA than her mother. From conception, the baby many times will have a different blood type. The fetus, living inside the mother, has its own immune system. And half of the time, the baby is male. The baby is a different gender than his mother. There's a completely different person living and growing inside the womb. But some people say it can't survive on its own. It can't survive outside of the womb. Why would we force someone to take care of that dependent? It's not our call on that. It's the woman's body. And, the, and since the, the baby is dependent upon the mother, the mother can do whatever she wants. Now that's dangerous thinking if we start going down that road. If we start taking out people who are dependent upon other people, we better call Kevorkian and start taking them down to the nursing homes, start making alliance. If that's, the, if that's how we make the call. That, of course that child is dependent upon his mother. And he will be. After he's born, and he will be when he's in grade school, and he will be when he's in high school, and he will be when he's in college, and if you're not lucky, he will be when he's in his early 30s living in your basement. <laughs> but that doesn't mean we take him out. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, we read, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. I get it, okay? That's a foolish message right there for the world. But that's the message of Christianity. When you come to follow Jesus Christ and you trust in him and you believe in him and you receive him as your savior, you're saying you're not the owner any longer of your life, including your body. And there's some things that I do and some things that I don't do, not because I necessarily want to or don't want to, it's because Christ lives in me. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. Your body is not your own. You are bought with a price. And if you have a little one growing inside you, he's a gift. She's a gift from the Lord. Psalm 127 verse 3, we read, sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. Number six, will God forgive someone who has an abortion? Will God forgive someone who has an abortion? The quick answer is, come on now. God's people, we've got to be grace-filled, right? Because you know we're all there too. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. If you say raka, if you say uh, he's a fool, you're guilty of murder. So we're all in the same boat. We're, we're just at different places on the boat, and that boat's going down. And so we better all reach to the Master and to the Savior together that there is forgiveness at the foot of the cross, that Jesus Christ died for the sin of abortion. The gospel can be lost in all the debates and in all the protests and all the picketing. Protesting is, is great and it's good, but if it's not connected with the ministry of saving souls, we're going to miss our whole calling. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, we all know verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, but God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn you if you've had an abortion. He came to save you if you had one. And he's going to deliver you by his own blood on the cross. See, that's the great exchange. Jesus came and he died for us. He died for our sin. He died to take the punishment that we deserve. He took it all. And if you would believe him and receive him today as your Lord and Savior, you could have all of your sin forgiven. The sin in the past, the sin in the present, the sin yet to come. That's how good and gracious and loving our Heavenly Father is. And so yes, there's forgiveness. Yes, there's restoration. Yes, there's healing. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe you need to hear Jesus say today, I don't condemn you. In John chapter 8, there was a woman who was caught in adultery that was brought to Jesus and they were all ready to, to stone her. All the men were around ready to stone her. And they came to Jesus, they're trying to trick him. They said the, the law of Moses says that we should stone her. What do you say, Jesus? And Jesus said, what did Jesus say? Yeah, let him who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And they all kind of looked at each other. And they all looked around. And then the text says from the oldest down to the youngest, they begin to drop their rocks and walk away. See, the older you are, the more wise you are, and you know that you're not always right. And it gets to the younger ones who still, they're, they're right all the time. I know everything here. And they're the last ones that got the rock. And then they see, oh, no, I, I don't have it figured out. And this man, Jesus, does. And they left. And Jesus said to that woman, they're all gone. He says, is there anybody left here to condemn you? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the Savior we worship. That's why we come together and sing and rejoice. Yes, I'm going to talk hard about abortion because it's a sin. It's the culture of death and the devil and evil. But I'm going to sing my heart out when it comes to the grace of Jesus Christ that saved me from death and can save you from death as well. And there is forgiveness. And this is the last one, number seven. Who will speak for the unborn? Who will speak? Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8 and 9. <clears throat> Proverbs 31, verse... Look at the time. I've never gone this long, ever. Proverbs 31, verse 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Open your mouth. 
Know the facts about life. The facts that we've talked about today. Know the truth of God's word. Don't be intimidated by culture. Don't be intimidated by people who say that they're progressive and you're old-fashioned and you're backwoods. Don't, don't, don't be pre- uh, pressured by Saturday Night Live. That show stinks anyway. Don't be, don't be listening to culture. Okay? You stand for life and you stand strong for life because you're speaking for the ones who might have a voice if they could be heard. And so speak up. But be sensitive to the situation. I know a girl who had an abortion in high school. And uh, in the town where she lived, the church, one of the churches in town, uh, every uh, life Sunday, they would put all the crosses out in, in the churchyard. And uh, back in this day, there were 4,000 abortions a day in our, in our country. And so there'd be 4,000 crosses out in the churchyard. And, and she would drive by that church uh, during that week and see all those crosses, and she would just weep. And she'd just think how, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not good. <laughs> She's right about that. But I'm not accepted by God or by any of those Christians. I'm without hope. And she was in darkness. And she was in, in, in disarray over her sin and over herself. And so you're not going to go to this young lady and you're not going to hammer her with the truth. Okay? You're not going to take out these things and you're going to say, you're not going to deliver her the law. You're going to deliver her the gospel. We've got to have some wisdom in how we talk to people. Church. She needs to hear the message of love and forgiveness. But for the bombastic, for the Margaret Sangers of the world, we need to speak the truth and we need to expose the lies of this death movement. Human life is being slaughtered and discarded by the minute. How many have died since I started preaching this morning? And how many of us can't only think about how fast to get to lunch right now when little babies are being dismembered and thrown out in the garbage like trash? God forgive us for being a people who won't open our mouths for those who can't speak. So here's our end application. What can I do? Because that, that's maybe what you're asking. What can I do? So let me give you three things real quick, okay? Three things that you can do. Number one, be convinced of the truth. We talked about this morning. Life begins at a conception. Life is precious. Only God has the authority to give and to take life. Be convinced of that. Study up on that. Let's have a conversation about that. That's number one. Number two, don't give the world or people reasons to criticize you in your stand for life. Here's what I mean. Care for all life. Care for the unborn and for the born. I had a conversation last night with one of you from a village here in Sugar Grove. And we were talking about this. And, and it seems like there's a disconnect sometimes that people who are, are so pro-life on the uh, on one section of, of community. And then they kind of forget about the babies after they're born. So why don't we have a, a, a culture of life um, from the cradle all the way to the grave? And before cradle, how about, let's say, let's say from conception to the casket. I like that better. From the, a culture of life, from conception to the casket, we're going to care for all life. Don't give the world a place to criticize. One of the biggest criticisms I've seen in all my research for this message, and all the articles, and all of the programs I've watched, and all of the interviews, and one particular that really stuck out at me, but it, it summed up almost all of them. This guy in a, in a, in a rant and a rave, he said, how, how many of these Christians, how many people are pro-life are ever come alongside uh, the unwed mother? How many of them are ever doing any of the work? How many are, are out there, they're sitting there holding their signs and preaching, and they're holier than thou, and he's just going off on us. 
And I started to say, I know a lot of people that are, are rolling up their sleeves and doing the work. And we just heard from one, Lisa O'Brien as well. I know plenty of them. But maybe he's got a point there. Maybe we're so quick to speak, but we're slow to move and we're slow to act. So let's not give the world or people reasons to criticize us. But three, get involved. I know you have a life group here at this campus. We just started one at Plano too. We're copying you. By the way, we copy everything you do here at Sugar Grove. I'm not kidding. We copy every single thing. Because I love you guys and you guys are doing it right. So join the Life Matters team. What are like 45 of you already have joined it and, and brainstorm on ways how we can speak for life and act for life. Write your representatives. Email them. Connect with them on social media. Let your voice be heard. We got a strong voice, Christians. Volunteer at PIC, Pregnancy Information Center. Find other ways to help. Go talk to Michelle Gherkin if you want to talk to her. I bet you she can tell you some ways you can be involved in life. Get involved. Adopt. You want to go all the way, man? Adopt. Oh, boy. That's hard. But you can do it, right, Lisa? You can. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day today. We praise your name. Forgive us for apathy. Charge us today by the power of your Holy Spirit to live for you and to speak for those who can't speak from conception to the casket. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.